You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Hello and welcome to TFM's local watering hole coming at you from the remnants of Asgard. And I got to say, you know, it's really dusty here in in this part of space and um, not as nice as I thought it was going to be. And so I'm so excited to have with me uh, my fellow Asgardian immigrants who have now immigrated to uh, the planet Earth because, uh, well, new Asgard's not quite as nice. But it's not bad. Uh, and, of course, that means Christy Morris is here. Uh, you got it wrong. I am assistant to Gore. I was in charge of handing him the little creature, and I'm the one that accidentally ripped its head off. Sorry. Ooh, gross. Okay. All right. Well, um, with that note, uh, I'm so <laughs> glad then Amanda is here, because I don't think that was what you did, Amanda? That was not my particular job. I was the person standing behind Thor. Oh, oh yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm the official oh, Zeus clothing I see, catcher. I see. So when Zeus flicks too hard, yeah. you're the one mm-hmm. catching the clothes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm right there yeah, ready, baby. I see. I, 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 I get why you're doing that job. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh-huh. I have this great wicker basket. Mm-hmm. It's yes, fantastic. That's what it's all about, the wicker basket. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, before mm-hmm. we get too cheeky here, uh, I just want to say thank you so much for joining <laughs> us here on the 602 Club. It's going to be a lot of fun as we talk about Thor, love and thunder. But before we do that, just want to say thank you so much for listening, and we really appreciate it. Hope that you will subscribe wherever you're listening so you'll get the shows as soon as they drop. And of course, Please, uh, if you have a moment, go on to your podcatcher of choice, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else, and give us a star rating review. Help people find the show. Uh, you know, if you want to help the show grow, give us give us a recommendation. Uh, you know, word of mouth is great. Or, you know, share us on social media, Twitter, at The 602 Club, where you can follow us and interact with us. We're on Instagram at The 602 Club TFM. Of course, we're on Facebook with the entire network at facebook.com slash trekfm. And then there's the listeners-only discussion group where you can talk to listeners from all over the world about every show we're doing here on the network. And... You can find us online at track.fm, which is our website, which has every single episode that we've done here on the network. And there's amazing stuff going on, so make sure you check it all out. But we'd also appreciate it if you would go over to Patreon and become one of our supporters because without you, we cannot do this. So go to patreon.com slash trek.fm and see how you can be part of our team and make sure that all the podcasts that we do keep coming to you each and every week. And that's where the really juicy stuff is. So you definitely want to get on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is maybe some stuff that we could put on a Patreon special feed uh, that got recorded before this. So mm, if you want that kind of stuff, you got to go to Patreon, support us and let us know. Uh, so, ladies. We haven't seen Thor since after Endgame, which left him traveling with the guardians of the galaxy and so 
I was just really interested for for both of you just coming into this where you thought that this might end up going before you even saw the film and, and just kind of what you were thinking coming out of this because the most interesting thing about all of this to me is that Thor is the last OG Avenger left. Everybody else is dead or gone. Like he's the only one left from phase one that we got introduced to. And so kind of how are you guys feeling about that? That got really heavy really fast. <laughs> Everybody else is dead. <laughs> Everyone's dead or gone. Oh jeez. <laughs> All right. Um I honestly I didn't know where this was going to go. Um I thought that maybe there was going to be a little more of a pissing contest between our two Chris's. Um, between Thor and Star-Lord in this show. Um, and I'm glad there was, and I'm glad I got surprised as far as all of that went. I didn't know if he was going to be with them the whole time or not. So I was pleasantly surprised to see him kind of take up his own mantle and explore different sides of Thor, if you will, in this film. Mm-hmm. So The different sides, definitely, I see. Mm-hmm. The many different sides, the facets mm-hmm. of Thor, if you will. <laughs> Christy, what do you yeah, think? Yeah, I, I think that probably it would have helped too if maybe I had watched Endgame again before this. But I think that we all are pretty familiar with where we left off with him. And um, he obviously has been through more than anybody else that we're encountering at this point. And I think that um, although this is supposed to be like a direct sequel to Ragnarok, that um, you're also still remembering all that baggage um, and that he still mm-hmm. is not completely healed. Um, but it, I don't know. I, I felt like the way that the, the movie started off here with him was like that hadn't happened necessarily. Like it seems to jump straight into the humor and like, he's still not really past the dad Thor phase. Um, and I mean, maybe that was Watiti trying to portray him as getting his mojo back. Um, but I felt like maybe the way that Thor's introduced again in this movie is a little too jokey um, for where I thought he would still be at this point. Yeah, it's an interesting thing because I I was surprised when Chris Hemsworth decided to come back. You know, because everybody else is gone. You know, uh, Robert Downey Jr. is bowed out, and Chris Evans is is done, and you know, uh, Scarlett Johansson is is done. Uh, you know, and I, I guess the only one, and you know, I don't really think of him as being OG, is because Hulk is different now. You know, it's it's not it's not Edward Norton's Hulk, and yes, it's connected, but like you know, Hulk has never really gotten. A story in and of himself since that very first movie the rest of it's always just been in other people's films and so you you kind of forget really that he exists and which is kind of sad for the character because Hulk is really interesting but I think he's become less and less interesting uh, the more we've used him um, and maybe that's why they decided to never try it again because they just couldn't find a way to make him interesting I don't know um so I um I like uh, Chris Hemsworth a lot. And, you know, I think, um, you know, as John and I have been doing 
assembling Avengers, and we're going to be coming back to that here in the fall. Um, one of the things I was actually surprised by is that I had actually a better reaction to Thor The Dark World in some ways than I remembered. And and part of that had to do with it. I, I really enjoyed uh, Hemsworth's performance in that and, and kind of a, a slightly... Um, I just enjoy the more serious Thor take personally. Um, and so, Christy, I, I think you, you were on to something. I think it's really something I wanted to, to kind of dive into right away because the humor in this movie is like Ragnarok on crack. And so, <laughs> and I came away kind of thinking uh, and being very frustrated because when everything is a joke in the movie, nothing is serious and and it really becomes hard to kind of key into anything or feel any of the weight for anything that's happening and there are like Ragnarok where you have these monumental things happening to Thor right he loses his entire planet right um and you know they he has to fight a sister that he didn't know he had he loses his dad you know like all of these things happen to this character and yet we don't actually really feel the fallout of that until i think it's it's an end game uh or it's an infinity war um and and end game where they really give you the opportunity like he's kind of funny in those but he's he's depressed right like he and you feel it like he he is beaten and, and and downtrodden with what's happened to him and and so it's weird that in his own movies these big monumental things happen to him but we don't actually get to feel it and somebody else has to come in and help us understand what the character is going through and this movie is also the same a lot of monumental things happen to thor in this movie and yet i don't feel any of them personally like i i there's no tears being shed i'm barely having any emotion to what's happening on screen because if everything's a punchline it's kind of hard to like care about what's happening to to the characters which is really disappointing because you have the ability to be doing something interesting i mean he loses his girlfriend in this movie again um she's dead you know um you know, he, he ends up with a kid, uh, you know, and there's just big life changes happening for this character, but I don't know. I, how do you guys feel? I think for me, I enjoyed the aspect of the humor paired with the really, really real life horrible things that were happening. For me, that helped to have it not be too heavy of a movie because I feel like if they had focused all of their energy on like, wow, she's dying. Wow, this is really sad. Wow, this is like a real life thing that's entering this space god fantasy film. It makes it feel so plausible because it's something that everyone has known somebody that has dealt with or battled cancer. And so that's like a super heavy context to be living in. And for me, the humor kind of helped alleviate some of that. And then they also gave you this really gut-wrenching story for Christian Bale. And 
that made me feel a lot of empathy for this villain out the gate too. So I think that they did have some really visceral stuff going on as well as the out of this world over the top fever dream Mm -hmm. humor. And I kind of, I I liked the balance and I really liked the screaming goats. I don't know if they made me happy. (laughs) And I get like that perspective that you're saying, you know, about how like, because I'm definitely the kind of person that when I'm going through a tough time has to make a joke about it to make it easier to Mm -hmm. get through it. Um, And so I I can, I can see what you're saying. I think it it was more just for me that it went a little too far that way. Yeah. Um, Too far. Like at least initially. Yeah, it was, it it was was weird. weird. I think we can all agree on that. (laughs) It was really Um, weird. (laughs) And I think maybe too, it was just like, I think with stuff like the goats, for example, if they had done it one, maybe two times, okay, it might be a little funny, but it felt like there were jokes like that, that it was like. Taika Waititi behind the camera going, people are going to love this. I'm going to put it in there 10 times with the same joke. And I'm like, dude, I got it the first time. Stop beating a dead horse. Start be- stop no, beating a dead me, goat, you mean? Like yeah, he yeah. was in dead. You're right. <laughs> it felt way more intentional for me than just like him being like, maybe it'll be funny again and again. It's like, how annoying yeah. can I make this? Let's go again, again. Again, nope. Yeah. Overdo it. Saturate it. And like, Let's I go. like Taika Watiti as a person, <laughs> but like things like that, I'm just yeah. like, but it's not like really keeping me interested in all the other serious stuff you have going on. If you're going to pummel me over the head with jokes that make me feel dumb, honestly. Well, I think, I think the problem <laughs> that, and, and Christy, I like that you're saying that because I, I think it's easy. Like, there's nothing clever about anything mm-hmm. that's happening in this movie, joke-wise. Like, there literally is nothing here that's clever. Everything is the baseline humor. It's And, and in all honesty, no offense to Taika Waititi, but anybody could have written this script. Because, again, he's just, everything is a joke. It, everything is a punchline. And so it's like, it's not hard to do that, you know. It's It's hard to have really clever humor, though. And I think if there was more of a balance between the humor and the seriousness in this movie, it would be much more interesting because the problem is, is that the actual thing that this movie is dealing with is so serious, but I can't take it seriously because nobody takes it seriously in this movie. And the movie itself doesn't even take itself seriously. So... When you don't do that, then like you you lose all reason for me to be watching the story because it doesn't really matter as a story. Like, um, and I, I okay, case in point, Thor himself. My wife brought this up. We were brushing our teeth last night after we got back from the movies, and she comes into my bathroom and it's like, "Why is Thor the same character in every single movie?" Like, you think he's grown, but then he just comes back and he's like the same childish, self-obsessed, clueless, over-the-top man-boy that you've seen. And then he kind of slowly improves and morphs into somebody, quote-unquote, better by the end of the film. But it's literally the same plot every single movie. Whereas, you know, when we left him 
after Infinity War and Endgame, it felt like he had really kind of like learned something and grown and like that experience of like working with a team and having the Avengers and everything kind of brought him out of where he was, which is his funk. But he's just, I mean, literally this movie, he starts out the same obnoxious, childish, self-obsessed, and absolutely clueless person, even more so than he was in the original Thor. I don't know. And and that's where it's like the the jokey nature of it, especially even with the character who's supposed to be struggling with this thing of like rejecting the idea of actually opening himself to love somebody doesn't even work as a thematic element because the movie doesn't want to actually take the character seriously. I wonder if what they were trying to convey was that the healing for anyone after trauma wasn't linear. So they had him revert to a, like an exacerbated concept or caricature of what he was to come back to a point where he could at the very end of the film articulate to Jane I'm not just leaving to leave. I This is how I feel. This is the future I want with you. And I'm respecting your choices. These are your choices to make. But I'm telling you this is what I hope happens. Please stay here for this reason and let me take this one. Not because he thought she couldn't handle it. So I, I, th- I think that they tried to give him that growth, but maybe they just overdid it with the up and down and the, the child, the, the himbo yeah. Thor. Yeah. And I mean, and that scene was good. That scene was and, yeah. brilliant. He articulated his emotions and I was well, and, so and proud. And just actually showing that he has never felt like Jane was not capable. That yeah. they worked as a couple because they were both such strong people and both so, you know, um, capable at what they were great at um, and that he's not mm-hmm. ever trying to hold her back. So I, I do think that that was a good moment and I'm glad that you brought that up. I um, I just wish that they had focused some more on having him get there sooner and like they could do yeah. flashbacks. But I think the moments mm-hmm. between Jane and Thor in the present are the best moments in the movie. And it's when they lean into the more serious conversations and the serious nature of their relationship where things like it feels like, okay, just stay in this level. And then it it just becomes a joke or something happens and it doesn't get to continue. And um, the problem is, 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 is tone and like, you know. Again, the the heavy nature of what Thor's going through, based uh, and, and and what Jane's going through, and then of course what Gore is going through. It's all really heavy stuff. To feel the weight of something heavy, you need to allow it to sit in a film, right? Like you have to allow us to kind of wallow in it. That's the, and mm-hmm. and when you when you levitate everything with humor or at least try to you lose what you're 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 trying to say so like i see what you're saying amanda where that might have been their hope but it's like i don't i would i would say that does not come across in the film 
because they don't just allow the character to to move with these these emotions, you know. Um, and yeah. for us, they don't let you sit with the discomfort. Yes, for, for too us long. as an audience, we want to be seconding that emotion, but we don't ever do that because we don't get to kind of marinate in the emotion long enough, mm-hmm. or just. The weight mm-hmm. uh, and the heaviness of these things, of Thor feeling like this. I mean, I think you're right. We've, and Jane feeling the same way. We've all, I think, a lot of people in the world have been hurt and the struggle of like learning to trust people again and learning to love people again instead of like keeping everybody at arm's length because you feel like you can't get hurt then. Like that's very, very common. Um, let us feel those emotions with the characters, you know, and kind of like feel the uneasiness of it and the frustration of it and the hurt of it. And, and the movie just never allows that to happen. And I think it for Thor as a character, the biggest problem is, is that they've turned him into a star Lord wannabe and Star-Lord already exists as a character and has his own arc. Thor doesn't need to be carrying on the same arc. And legitimately, Taika Waititi has kind of turned Thor's films into Guardian light. We already have Guardians films. I don't need this to be like the Guardians films. So do your own thing. And I, because this, I don't think actually works for the character of Thor in all honesty to me, like Chris Hemsworth's funny and like he can do funny and he does it really well, but he also as a character, I think should be taken more seriously just because, I mean, he's kind of a silly character anyway. I mean, he's this, he's the God of thunder, you know, and it's like kind of a a goofy (laughs) thing in the first place. So I, I don't feel like playing up the goofiness even helps him as a character anyway. So, Well, and something that I wanted to add in as well, um, just even separate from the um, Thor as a character, is the format of the story here. I think aside from having the overly humorous tone, it's also a little disjointed just chronologically. Um because we do get this really great introduction with the tragedy in Gore's life. And I think could really be tied well to the whole thing, you know, that Zeus and Thor talk about later about whether it's the God's responsibility to worry about all the rest of the universe or not. Um, and that you see a really great side to Thor of feeling like it is, you know, that everyone has value, not just your own people. Um, but it seems that they go from that very interesting plot point to then immediately this whole thing with bringing all the guardians back in and not also letting Thor have his moment, like you were talking about, Matt, where he's trying to keep everyone at arm's length still. We just kind of immediately make a joke out of it, like, oh, Thor's meditating again. And then we're fighting chickens on another planet and... You know, I I don't I don't remember some of the crap that happened in that scene because I was like, what, where are we? What are we doing? Why? And then, you know, in the previous movies as well, when Thor and Star-Lord interacted, 
Star-Lord was jealous of Thor. It was never that Thor wanted to be Star-Lord. So I was kind of also surprised by that dynamic here. Um, and then we jump into another, you know, seemingly unrelated part of the story. So I, I do felt like feel like it also just jumped around a lot to things that I think could have been lined up better. Yeah, I could see where the flow could have been adjusted for sure. I don't, I think it was a hard jumping point too that they left him with the Guardians. Mm -hmm. Because they had to somehow feature that in in an authentic way and explain it off on how he Mm -hmm. gets to be on his own again. And it it had, the the shoe had to fit for when he was Mm -hmm. with them as well. Well, and it's interesting too because, (laughs) like Star Wars. (laughs) I don't know if I can get away from this movie fast enough. It's like, I mean, Star-Lord is just like, he cannot wait to get rid of Thor, you know? Like, yeah. he just can't wait, you know? And... He didn't even want no, Thor to come exactly. with in the first um, place. And and I'm, I, I, I'm left feeling like that, too. And part of that is because Thor is so unlikable at the beginning of this movie. He's so dumb. He's so self-obsessed and self-absorbed that it's just so frustrating because this isn't a character to which anybody would like. Um, and I I don't understand why you want to do that to a character who already has... And, and Amanda, I think you, you said something that was really interesting, like the idea of like kind of regressing back, you know, and all that. I think all of that can happen, but the problem is, is that we got to keep moving forward, not backwards with these stories because mm-hmm. we don't see Thor often enough to, to I think, be able to do that. If you were doing like a television show and you had three seasons or something, totally more applicable. But it's like when you get him like every four years as a character, you really need the character to continue to move forward. And, and so, you know, I have no idea what they'll do with the future with Thor, but hopefully we would keep moving forward. Um before we get to Jane specifically, I wanted to ask you guys, how did the flashback sequences work for both of you? Because in all honesty, even considering the first two movies, we don't really get a ton of Thor and Jane together all that much in the first place, like to be rooting for them. And so they try to give that for us here. Does it work for both of you? I liked the inside look at the Jane Foster Thor relationship and their the casual parts of their relationship as opposed to the adventures. I feel like that was something good to have in your back pocket going forward into their story to have as opposed to just like a couple of issues that they've had and how they met and just kind of the bare bones of their relationship. This gave them a little more depth and I did enjoy that. Yeah. I think that it, that part actually helped a little bit because um, then you understand why they are always apart. Um, and I, I actually like mm-hmm. that they did seem to give a little bit of breathing room to that moment where the two of them are talking in the present about why they're not together. Um. You know, it, yeah. it it was a great way to finally articulate, like, she's saying, you left. And he's like, no, you left. I read your note. And she's like, 
you didn't speak to me though. That's why there was a note. Like I thought that was so good. Um, (laughs) But I think that there could have been some more focus on, um, I don't know, like how, how he got to where he was. Um, I feel like maybe they, they didn't really explain it fully in the flashbacks as well as maybe they could have. Um, I guess I wanted a little bit more. I think it's admirable for them to actually give us something. You know, I, Christy, I think um, both you and I always say this, you know, is show don't tell. And so I'm glad that they were showing us this, right? I, I think mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Um, Amanda, you said something earlier that I think was, was really spot on. And, and Christy, I think you hinted at this as well. The structure of the movie, the just actual editing of the film together, I don't think does it any favors for the way that they've just kind of put the sequences together. Um, I think that they're... And I've only... I've been thinking about this, and I don't know exactly how you do it, but I feel like the movie needs to be re-edited so that there's less, like of this jumpy nature between things. Um, It just didn't feel like it flowed very well. Um, Mm -hmm. And it, it, it just kind of feels like, and if, if I'm not mistaken, this movie had more to it um, and it was actually longer and they cut it down a bunch. And which after seeing it, I was like, okay, we lost Lena yeah. Headley's whole I'm like, character. Okay, that's that's fine. They cut this movie down, but it also just feels like a movie that has been chopped up and then edited together in a way that doesn't necessarily isn't its best. It's not its best movie now, you know. Um, and so I don't know if it needed more or if it needed just to be rearranged so that things flowed more naturally, but. Chris, you know, you pointed out the beginning where then all of a sudden then we jump to Thor and the Guardians and it's just like this kind of emotional whiplash because the beginning is super serious and then we get to this extended like 20 minute scene that just is so goofy and so dumb and honestly has really nothing to do with the rest of the movie really like it really doesn't like there's this whole extended action sequence and and it just it really doesn't add anything to the film and it barely adds anything to the the character especially of thor and it's just so yeah um i wish that the scenes with jane and thor had been more present in the film and then could have added that emotional weight to the scenes we had in the present where they are together and their relationship because that would help us feel something when she dies. You know, whereas just feeling like, okay, she's dead. Like, why should I care? Um, because, you know, Jane has been such a misused character, I think, in the in the first place. Like, and in this film, I know they're trying, but I don't think they use her very well either. And I think it's the edit of this film and the lack of seriousness that doesn't give their relationship those moments. And I, I don't, I don't even think, it gives Jane her moments. Like she has cancer. She becomes the mighty Thor. Okay. That's, that's interesting. But then she's dead by the end. And it, it's like, I just don't really feel anything for her. It's like it was told too fast. 
like okay which again right, could yeah. be the editing mm-hmm. it, it ends up feeling like for me though with her that you're like okay we've got to show that she's got cancer we got to show that she's back she did the book she becomes mighty thor she uses the hammer too much and she dies and you're like what <laughs> so yeah i i think it's it kind of two goes back to the I, I wish that they had taken a beat more with some of the emotional scenes to let it sink in what did you think of jane amanda I think I would always want more Jane. But, I mean, I love Natalie Portman as an actress um, in anything. So more is always better for me. I wish that we would have gotten more about her jumping point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. From where we see the hammer Mm -hmm. pieces glow to where we see her Mm -hmm. jump into action. I would have loved to see her becoming the mighty Thor. I would have loved to see her take some of her first missteps and use some really sucky catchphrases with Valkyrie. <laughs> like I want, I want to see like the in-between fight with just her and Valkyrie palling around and her fumbling through learning how to be a superhero. That would have been something that I would have really enjoyed and maybe how they got to the point of rapport that they had where they're keeping secrets for each other. Cause Valkyrie's already in on, The fact Mm -hmm. that she has cancer, the fact that the hammer is doing something, the fact that the treatments Mm -hmm. still aren't working. So I wish I had that. You don't get to see her perspective of becoming Mighty Thor. Mm -hmm. So it does feel like. Like, was she happy? Was she resentful? Was she bearing a mantle or was she like super stoked right. to be a superhero you just suddenly see her i don't know we don't really get the full story of how yeah, she you feels. Just suddenly see her in battle and then see her through thor's eyes yeah i would love to see her through the female yeah. gaze if you will well and i think we're just not servicing her as a character very well because we're not actually really telling her story um you know she's she's just a prop again for Thor. And I hate saying that, but she really is. Like, she doesn't really get to ever have her own story in any of these movies and be important the same way that Peggy Carter is important to Steve Rogers. And she's also just important yeah. beyond so herself. Often she's like, a conduit. Like Peggy Carter has an importance yeah. in the MCU beyond Steve. Jane really kind of doesn't beyond the fact that you know thor lands in her backyard and like other than that like we she she's kind of unnecessary and like if we never saw her again we would have lost nothing and Mm -hmm. even by seeing her in this movie i don't think we and and her dying it's like i don't feel that like there's a loss for the mcu and that is frustrating because the character deserves more yeah yeah and they did give us the opportunity to see that she's accomplished things in between the time that we meet her and when she's sick. We know that she's an author now and she has written this whole book with her theory and is helping people to understand what's happening in the universe as opposed to just on their own planet and I, I think that they could have expanded on the importance of her liter- her literary mm-hmm. works as well um, mm-hmm. to flesh her out a little bit more. Yeah. 
but she, she's a well, conduit. And I wondered if, you know, it, I think when you were mentioning Amanda about the missing pieces in her story, if maybe that was um, mm-hmm. a victim of the editing and that now, you know, also mm-hmm. that's what kind of fed into me then feeling like her becoming this new version of herself didn't mean much to me because it was like, it's great that she gets that um, instant health and vitality. um, But I don't really feel attached to her being mighty Thor. You know what I mean? Well, and I don't feel attached to her being sick. Yeah. Like, because I'm not spending enough time with her in the film actually being sick, you know, like Mm -hmm. in, in, and I'm also bothered, but like we literally can transverse the universe in this Marvel Cinematic Universe now. Like, are you telling me there's not a way to heal cancer yet with like Asgardian technology or Cree technology or, or vibranium? You know, like, vibranium. I mean, uh, you know, you've got Wakanda. Like, mm-hmm. are you seriously telling me we haven't cured cancer on this planet with all? All of the technology from all over the universe, it just felt, and it feels like, I don't know. Um, And I get that this comes straight from the comics. I'm probably sure somebody's yelling at me, well, that was in comic and the Mighty Thor series, and that's exactly what they did, and that's exactly what happened. So you're just wrong. You know, just comic book guys coming at me right now, you know, so. That that is an autographed picture of Sean Connery signed by Roger Moore. It is worth one hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> so yes, I can hear you, comic book guy. Um, oh dear! But I just feel like the the MCU as we know it, a lot of that stuff just feels kind of irrelevant because, and that's kind of the frustration of uh, to me of the you're bringing this movie down to a very human level and the MCU has been anything but human for a long time. And so to be there, then I, I think this movie needed to be much more serious and really kind of sit in the like reality of the situation that Jane is in so that Christy, you're right so that I can feel it and then I can, I can feel for her and I can feel that pain and feel like it's legitimate with inside the MCU. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, to your point, they could have even made it like she got some sort of weird space sickness. Like she, there could still be sickness. It just didn't have to be cancer. So I feel like they were almost pigeonholed into making it a, a, an earth sickness. Cause she's already been possessed true. by an infinity stone and had her life in peril from, you know, it draining her mm-hmm. mortal existence to feed feed itself so we've already done that kind of sickness so i think they had to pick something more tangible Mm -hmm. to the to the real world because they've already done that now new asgard is on earth and stuff it kind of ties together in that way to be a little bit more relatable i think that you hit on something though amanda that I think it would have been very easy, and I'm so, I thought that this is what they were going to do, and they didn't do it, and I was like, that's kind of dumb. I know the comics do cancer, but we had her be a house for the ether. Mm-hmm. 
So say it's cancer brought on by the ether, and that's what makes it so deadly. That's what makes it so fr- – like, like that's why yeah. we can't Resistant. cure it. It's an infinity stone level cancer. Yeah. That's why it's so – like why it's – like and, – and the fact that you could have done it where it was coming on so strong and like so quick because yeah. it's like stage four like at the snap of a finger, that's what I think would have made much more sense. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, there you go. Like we've solved this problem with the snap of a finger by just tying it into the two again. And then you're actually helping tie back to the relationships she had with Thor, the things that she's been through as a character. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Okay. We talked about no character development, but I want to rant a little (laughs) bit about Valkyrie because talk about a character who gets literally nothing to do in this film and no character development. I, I like why are we not doing anything with this character? They want to make her something. I know they do. They keep talking about her, but they don't actually do anything with her. Like, she gets nothing to do in this movie. And, like, I don't get it. I really don't. Like, make make us fall in love with that character because Tessa Thompson is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love her as an actress. She can do it. So, like, yeah, I don't get it. Like, is is it all of her good scenes were cut out of this movie? It felt like this was another one of those victim of editing moments where that's why we did not get the screen time with her. Because I feel like we are missing a chunk where her and the mighty Thor mm-hmm. built yeah. up their relationship to where mm-hmm. we picked up. In well, or even I don't feel like we got much of a, an explanation for Valkyrie between Ragnarok and now. I mean, I I get that they're trying to say like, oh, she's, you know, now in charge and she's got to deal with all of the boring bureaucratic stuff. But like she could do more than that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just it, yeah, I, I feel the same. I feel like I want the Valkyrie that we originally saw, you know, ride in all valiant and awesome and uh, with attitude and stuff. And, and that she's now just kind of become a means to an end. Um and then they're also trying to tie in that she's like the first bisexual MCU character and stuff. And I feel like you don't even really get that because you're not really giving her a story. Yeah, she needs a new girlfriend and not to be mourning over her centuries dead Valkyrie <laughs> yeah. girlfriend. She needs a new love interest and one that serves her story without turning it into a she has to be this yeah. or have a relationship well, and like like they need it and like i care. will say right now one of the best gay characters i've ever seen in a movie or a show is robin on stranger things yep i would agree the way that that was done was perfect she had depth she had a reason for the things that she did and it wasn't like it was just all about her sexuality it was also about all the other pieces of her and that's what makes her a whole character that's interesting. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's how you bring in a character that's homosexual or bisexual or, you know, pansexual or whatever. And it feels like here that they're just trying to put it in the dialogue and then that's it. Well, and I think just the biggest thing is like, and and very similar with Jane, just doesn't have enough to do to really legitimize her being there. Like, if you took her out of the film, are you losing very much? No. Because, like, the story can still go on without her. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess you still need a, a leader of New Asgard, technically, but... Yeah. I mean, it's the same kind of thing, like, I, I you know, like uh, them putting Sif in the movie, and it's like, okay, great, I'm glad that she's, we're gonna, you know, she exists still, which, uh, that's who Thor should end up with, anyway. Um, I always loved her as a character, her relationship with him is great, um, but, like, there was a moment, too, where it's like, she has her arm cut off. She could be dying, and it's just a complete joke. She, You know she's mm-hmm. not going to die, where it could be this really serious moment where this is one of the last pieces of Thor's previous life that exists. Her dying would be terrible for him in a way that, you know, you, you couldn't even imagine, right? And yet it's just all a joke, and so you don't even care, and, like... I, you know, she. It's another thing where it's like they threw something in there. It's it's fine, but it's like there's just nothing there really to matter. And I guess what I'm saying is like when I watch a movie, I want things to matter that I'm watching, especially for the characters on screen in a universe that has been this established. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, let me put it this way: I never watched a Captain America movie and didn't care about Cap or the characters around him. At any moment. You know, I never watch an Iron Man movie, even though Iron Man 2 is pretty terrible. Um, I still care about Tony, right? You know, and um, so I don't know. It's just very frustrating. Um, and I and I say all this because I think the characters deserve more. That's why I'm frustrated. So Jane, Valkyrie, Sif, Thor himself, they all just deserve more. You also know who else deserves more? Is Christian Bale as the God Killer? Heck yeah, he's oh, so, so he's good. so good in this movie, and he's on screen for maybe ten minutes, maybe, and it's really sad because he probably is the best part of this movie, and his storyline and what he is like frustrated with is so interesting, mm-hmm. but the movie is so uninterested in actually exploring the thematic element that. It, again, it doesn't even matter. And by the time he like makes his turn at the end, you're like, eh, okay, whatever. It, because it, I'm just, I'm not invested in his story because the movie doesn't care about his story. I don't know. I think they gave him one of the best, most well said villain origin stories I've seen yet. And they did it. The pace was great for how they told his story as well. And that little chunk in the beginning, I thought that that was a, a really well done um, scene right there. I, I, I'll agree with you. I I think that was like, great. That was incredible. 100%. I cared about his villain origin story more than anything to do with Thanos at any mm-hmm. point. Well, and I feel like, too, they kind of made Thanos more of a... Um, highlight that you would have had to have read the comics to really understand him so it was like too deep into fan service for the lay person to really want to be on his side at all um or to see his point of view or anything where here i feel like yeah, yeah like he they picked the right actor for this role they really oh, um yeah. took the time in the beginning at least to to get into what his cause is um, and to be something that we could all identify with. You know, I think that obviously mm-hmm. 
for ages and ages, people have needed some sort of God to serve or to, to worship, to feel purpose in life. And then to find out that you've served him faithfully your whole life and been nothing but beaten down, that it was for nothing is a terrible thought that that you think that you're getting to heaven or Valhalla or whatever and find out that there's nothing and that your life is a waste, you know, it would just be horrible. Because I think that that's fascinating and um, that they picked the right person to do it. Um, I do wish that they had given him a little bit more time later on in the story to really explain why he took the kids. Um, you know, all those, those scenes were really creepy. I just was kind of like, I don't like it. They're just kind of being held there in purgatory. <laughs> you know, it, nothing happens. Yeah. I could have done without watching him pull the head off of well, a shadow beast. That, it made that me laugh. Was not my fit, the traumatized. I was like, Oh, yeah. Oh, those poor kids. <laughs> They're going to have so many night well, terrors. I initially was kind of uncomfortable with just them having the shadow <laughs> monsters go in and take the kids. I don't know about you guys, but like initially I was yeah. like, mm, yeah, dragging the yeah, kids out of bed was too much for me. Let's not torture children in our movies, okay? Um, but when they had the scenes where you're getting to see Heimdall's son uses powers, that's cool. So I think Gore could have been one of the coolest villains that we've ever had. And part of that is because I think the question he's raising is very interesting. It's the same type of question that um, Lex Luthor raises in Batman v Superman against Superman, right? This idea of like gods and men. Um, and it's a really fascinating question. The beginning, I think, Amanda, like you said, was riveting. It was really well done. It was really interesting. Um, and again... Then, of course, when we go to, you know, the Godtopia planet with Zeus and everything, and you just realize that all of these gods are, like, terrible people, which, you know, if you've read Greek mythology, you know the gods are terrible people, mm -hmm. right? They're just basically worse versions with us with more power. Um, and so I, I think that that's really fascinating, and... It does create interesting questions about, okay, what do you put your faith in and who are you putting your faith in and are they worthy of that faith? All fantastic questions. The movie never takes it seriously enough to matter. Um, it just doesn't. And, and it never actually really dives into those questions anywhere else. Because the interesting part of this is that Thor himself, even though the Asgardians were never actually gods in the Marvel Universe, and all of a sudden now we're deciding that, you know, Thor and his dad and everything are, are actually gods, so we're retconning ourselves, which annoys me to no end. Mm. Just have it one way or the other. Don't try to have it both ways. Um, Thor is the exact type of god that Gore doesn't think exists. He's the self-sacrificial God by the end, right? And he's not only willing to put his life on the line for his own people, but for anyone. Mm -hmm. And we've seen him do that multiple times, right? He's helped save Earth and the universe a few times. So he actually is the type of God to which Gore says basically does not exist. The movie never really makes that connection. 
And it's a real disappointment because the thematic question of whether or not there are gods that we should put our faith in or there is a god that we should put our faith in or not is a really big universal question, right? I mean, it's the it's the question of theology for all um, major world religions. This movie just it, – it, it asks a very good question and then it has no interest in actually looking for an answer to that question and or allowing you to experience that continually with the villain so that by the time you get to the end and he makes the different choice because of Thor, it's like – Okay, we got it. And, and it's just it again, this is where the movie not taking itself seriously the whole time and only adding humor where needed really hurts the film because you're asking big questions. You got to give big answers, not big laughs. And then you need the turn to make more sense as to why he's going to even listen to Thor to change his mind. And that may have also been edited out. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And, and and I mean, I love Christian Bale. You know, I mean, his Batman movies are still some of the best comic mo- movies ever made. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure they'll be surpassed by much in, in my lifetime, in all honesty. And he's a fantastic actor. And villain. Yeah. Um, here, he's just, he's not given enough to do, and they waste him. And it's disappointing. And if I were Christian Bale, I'd be kind of pissed if I saw the final product because this is not good enough. Um, And uh, especially for the start that they give him at the very beginning of the movie, it's so good. Um, Yep. It was incredible storytelling. And if the movie had continued on that level of seriousness for most of it, I think we would have just gotten a much better film. Um, I do want to ask you guys, so obviously it's a Marvel movie, so with the action and the effects and the music, like, how does that all work for you? Do you feel like this is kind of par for the course? Was there anything that stood out to you? Was there anything you didn't like in any way? I liked the continuation of the rock music used in this one. Um, that always feels big and fun for the fight scenes, um, I enjoyed seeing all the little kids take up arms and the thunder bunny, the thunder, the stuffed thunder bunny gave me a lot of joy. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I thought the effects were pretty good. I would have liked to see more effects with Jane Foster or the mighty Thor. Um, I don't think she got enough fight sequences in my opinion, but maybe this is just coming down to me wanting to see more Natalie Portman in the film. And her really buff arms. Um, (laughs) Yes, she had fantastic arms. If you Mm -hmm. saw pictures of her walking around set, this tiny little frame with these big beefy arms, it was incredible. I was, yeah, that made, that was awesome. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, I liked the effects. I thought a lot of them were really well done. Um, I think how they did them added to the fever dream quality that this film had going on throughout most of it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I I was entertained. Yeah. I think that the, the effects for sure um, were actually really good. Um, 
I do have to agree with you on that. I think that it was especially interesting seeing the difference that they were trying to make upon um, Thor and Valkyrie and um, Mighty Thor landing in the Shadow Realm and the switch oh, to black and white. Yes. Um, that was really cool and well used. Um, I think that, you know, the goats, again, were a little bit of a miss for me, but I understand some people like that. Amanda. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, and I have to say, honestly, for me, the music was the biggest miss here. <sighs> it just, because the thing is, if you saw the most recent sequel in the new Jumanji movies, they've already. I did not. Okay. See, they've already recently used um, the Guns N' Roses song, um, Welcome to the Jungle, for that. Mm. And so it feels like that's just been used so much to me lately and then just in general. Um, and apparently Guns N' Roses is Taika Waititi's favorite band. So I was like, oh, well, now it makes sense. Um, and hey, they are an amazing group. I love their music, too. I just don't like when it's overused. And I felt like also you really could have had a great moment of tying it back to Ragnarok with something else from Led Zeppelin. You know, because in the past that what was the song? I don't remember the name of the song, but I know the song. song. Yeah. Immigrant song Um, or something else from that album or something, you know. But yeah, I felt like it just could have been less obvious choices and kind of Mm -hmm. woven in better like the way that James Gunn uses music in Peacemaker in Guardians it always feels like it appropriately fits in with the tone and the the timeline that he's trying to go for and here it just Mm -hmm. felt to me like it could have been any music I think the action is fine um I think the best action is when they go to the Shadow Realm, and that felt so 300 slash Sin City. So, I mean, I really felt like Taika Waititi is definitely channeling kind of his Zack Snyder vibes there, which is great. I mean, that actually thought was really cool looking. Um, And one of the most unique things we've seen in the MCU in general. Mm -hmm. So, well done on that part. I thought, though, that the action at the beginning of the movie were on that planet with the Guardians was terrible um, because all of that, I can tell, is happening in the volume, uh, which is right. where they do the Mandalorian, and they just it just doesn't look great. Um, and, yeah, the rest of it is fine. I, I, you know, the sad part here is the score is Michael Giacchino. Uh, it's fine. But it doesn't really come out in the movie very much because it's overshadowed by the use of a lot of Guns N' Roses music, which I don't have a problem with. I'm just tired of Taika wanting to be James Gunn Mm -hmm. and do the same thing like um, and James Gunn just does it better. He's just really good at picking music for his films um, as evidenced by Guardians 1 and 2 specifically. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's fine. Uh, I think the problem is is that you want more than fine. And I guess in the end, that leads me to what we're going to rate Thor, Love and Thunder. And so, Amanda, where are you 
with this film? I would say I'm at like a 6.8 screaming goats out of 10. I was thoroughly entertained. I liked the score. I got to see Chris Hemsworth's butt, which was fantastic (laughs) for me. (laughs) Um, I got Natalie Portman again in a blockbuster film, which I always enjoy seeing her. Um, She's one of my favorite actresses and not just because of Star Wars. (laughs) So I I really, I had a great time. I was entertained. Um, Obviously, every film has its flaws and this one definitely could have used a little more help in the edit room. And I am amiss that we did not get to see um, another one of my favorite actresses, Lena Headley's character, come to fruition. That was a super big bummer when I heard that that was cut. And I'm going to be wondering until we get a director's cut or something what her purpose in this film was. Um, Because I was really excited to see her. But yeah, I I, overall, I went to the movies. I was super entertained. I had a good time. Um, And I want to see now where they take these characters and hopefully something from the post-cred scene. I I would like to see what they do with that. With the two post-cred scenes. The two two post-cred scenes. (laughs) Yeah, don't fret people. I will ask after our ratings about the post-credit scenes. Because it's post ratings. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> we'll do a, a mid rating and a post rating. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. It, you know, I will give it an extra point for sure for um, naked Chris Hemsworth. Um, <laughs> you know. So you're saying, but, but. But. Yeah, there is a but. Um, <laughs> it was peachy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say out of 10, I still end up giving it like a three, uh, three, um, dead shadow realm monsters out of 10, which would be a lot. Um, <laughs> um, because I, there were some parts there that were really good, but that overall I wouldn't really want to see it again. And I hate to say that because I love Christian Bale I think that they picked the right person for that role. And I love Chris Hemsworth as an actor. And, you know, I think all of them, it just wasn't, they weren't given enough to do. And then the way that it fit together, it was overly covered with the cheap jokes um, to really give me a lot of depth there that I feel I need to go back for. Um, So, yeah, I just, I wanted more. Um, It has good bones, but it needs some more meat. Speaking of butts. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't like this movie. Um, It's just not very good. And it's, I think, um, please, dear Lord in heaven, keep Taika Waititi away from Star Wars. That is not under the supervision of Dave Filoni and... um, John Favreau. I do not want him doing his own Star Wars movie. Um, he didn't even remember that Natalie Portman was in Star Wars movies. Uh, apparently that was sarcasm. I was going to mm-hmm. say, I yeah, heard I'm him sure. in interviews right. and I really sincerely yeah. hope that that was him being like dry deadpan. Mm-hmm. It uh, seemed like yeah. that was the whole interview. I genuinely believe that since I watched it. But yeah, okay. I, yeah. I'm with you. So, all that to say, it, this 
This movie, I think, unlike Ragnarok, though, actually has some kernels of things that if you had actually extrapolated and really dug into would have been fantastic. You know, the character of Gore, the questions that he's asking, the thematic elements there, the thematic elements that both Jane and Thor are going through, which is this desire to love but being afraid to be open. Uh, and all of these things, I think, could have been great. So I would still watch this movie over Thor Ragnarok, but this movie is still, I'm going to give it two broken hammers out of five um, because it's really not worth your time um, in, unless it comes, I mean, when it comes out in Disney Plus, watch it. But I mean, it's legitimately at the very bottom of my Marvel rating list. It's just, it's just not very good. Um, and uh, yeah, it's disappointing. So, well, I'm interested. Uh, we're instead of um, doing some recommendations, I did want to talk about the post credit sequence with both of you because we got one with Zeus, and then we got one with Jane Foster. We did. We did indeed. I am so out of my depth in the Marvel universe to know what's going to happen now that we have a Hercules character introduced into the MCU. I don't know what he means to the comics and I'm not going to pretend I do, but it feels like it's supposed to be something big. Mm -hmm. So that was, I mean, he does not look like a nice guy. I feel like he's going to be a bad guy. So I'm, I'm intrigued by that character revelation. And when they said Thor will return. They did not specify which Thor. Now that we're, I'm lacking context and jumping into the next post credit scene, we get to see Jane Foster in Valhalla being welcomed by, um, hey, I'm brain What's his name? Heimdall. 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 Um, we get to see Jane Foster in Valhalla being welcomed by Heimdall. And he says that she is welcome there. She is welcome to it. But does that mean that she has a choice to go back? I feel like that was a really open-ended post-credit scene. I don't know. What, what did you guys think about that? Yeah, I um, definitely, in reference to the first one, I actually looked at Michael and I said, who is that? Why do, <laughs> why do I care? And he was like, it's Hercules. And I was like, Okay, why is he why? involved? <laughs> He's not a Marvel superhero. What are we? What? So yeah, I, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I'm not really thrilled Matt, about that. Do you have depth there? Well, I, I you know, I, Chrissy actually has more, uh, you know, Marvel comics knowledge than I do in the sense of the comics because I've not read them. Um, uh, the most exciting thing about uh, Hercules is that he's played by uh, Brett Goldstein. Uh, who is also Roy Kent and Ted Lasso, which is phenomenal. <laughs> that was what I was excited about. I was oh, like, Roy okay. Kent as Hercules. That's fun. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I'm also like you. I'm like, okay, so the next Thor movie is a battle between, you know, Thor, Hercules, and, you know, Zeus. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, interesting. I mean, he took on Zeus pretty easily. And wow, I mean, goodness. Um yeah, it's like you just don't really Zeus. get... Zeus, it, it was... Uh, he packed on the pounds for that role, so goodness. Yeah. Um, uh, 
The second one, I'm with you, Amanda. I do feel like it's a choice. Um, and so I was like, okay. But then I'm frustrated because I'm tired of us undercutting everybody's death in the MCU. It's like death just means absolutely nothing. Now. We could just bring like, them back and so, anytime. Yeah. And I, so that's kind of what frustrates me um, about that whole thing. It's like a movie that already meant nothing now means even less. So um, if you're really just going to bring her back in the next film. I will so. say, though, uh, to play devil's advocate, what I'm thinking could be a possibility is that now this is going to be sort of like new, new Asgard. And that maybe they'll be able to use the Bifrost to travel to and from the living existence to Valhalla and vice versa. Hmm. Just an I interesting. Mean, I hope the mead's good. Yeah. And so, I am yeah. always glad to have more Idris Elba. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's. That made he's me fantastic. happy. So, I mean, I just love when he does the booking.com commercials. So. Um, <laughs> well. Amanda, if people wanted to catch up with you and see what else you've got going on, where could they find you? You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok under the handle Twin Sons Amanda. And Christy, what about you? And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok as well at Bespin Bell, sticking with the Star Wars names. And uh, <laughs> Amanda and I also do a show with our friend Teresa called Sabres and Spells on the Skywalking Through Neverland Network. Skynet. That we actually need to do again. Um, but, you know, you can find the previous episodes over there um, on all of your social networks of choice at Sabres and Spells and on SkywalkingThroughNeverland.com. And you can find me all over social media other than TikTok, like Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, Vero, under the name MattRushing02. Uh, and then, of course, here on the network, not only the 602 Club, but doing a bunch of different shows, uh, Warp 5 about Star Trek Enterprise, The Orb about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Literary Treks about the books and the comics of Star Trek, Saddle Up about Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and The Artificial Tango about Star Trek Star Trek Picard. You can also find me over in the Nerd Party Network. I have a completed show with Drea Kaufman talking about every single chapter of the Harry Potter series one chapter at a time. And last but not least, a Grefts of Negotiations, a Star Wars podcast with John Mills. But thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now you're here. <laughs>